This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Encounter with God. This is the breakfast show on Faith FM, and nobody has the clue for the quiz yet, so we're going to have Not it again. Not quite yet. I've got the wrong side of the quiz. Okay, so the Philistines put out my eyes after they captured me. So don't think about the image for too long, but think about the story. Which story has a man where his eyes were removed after he was captured by the Philistines? If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669 and there'll be a prize coming your way. Indeed, it will be God's Love for Man by Ellen White. Okay, a couple of announcements to make. What have we got coming up this weekend? We have the End Series. It is uh, the end.digital is the website to go to to register and to sign up for this or you can go onto Facebook and if you type in, again, the end.digital, you'll come up with the with the Facebook page and you can watch it there. It's all it's a free event, so uh, it's it's a wonderful piece of uh, of a resource there to help pass your time. It starts at eight pm on um, Sunday Sunday night. So after you've put the kids to bed, after you've had dinner, you can sit down with your with your partner. You can sit down and, and enjoy, uh, or you can really dive into learning about the end from a biblical perspective. Um, Runs for half an hour, indeed, and it's really relevant, uh, especially in these times and when we're in when we're right in the thick of end times. Um, so yeah, get on to that. What else is happening? Okay, this Sunday morning between 9.30 and 10.30, Matt Parra, myself, live interactive Bible study happening right here on The Breakfast Show. So please do join us and please do call in and have your uh, say on the interactive Bible study. That's what it's all about. It'll be continuing while ever the coronavirus lockdown is in place. Let's go and turn our Bibles to John chapter 9 and begin reading there, Liam, in verse 39. Okay, John chapter 9, verse 39 says... Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees were, who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Okay, so this is a very fascinating passage that we have right here, a conversation that Jesus is having or that he has with the Pharisees. It's kind of pointed, and I think that they kind of, you know, Jesus isn't singling them out, but, you know, when they, uh, if the hat fits, then wear it. And also if you throw a stone amongst a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. Yes. And so it's not hard to see that this lesson that Jesus was speaking right here, it hit home because the Pharisees like, wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to? Are you trying to imply that this is us? Mm. Because we're the ones that can see. We're the ones that know our Bibles. We are the ones who are the educated class. You're the one who isn't a part of that particular group. And so let's go back to verse thirty-nine and start working our uh, our, our way down through this passage here he says for judgment i came to this world that those which see might not see and those which see might be made blind okay so this sort of hits home to the pharisees at this particular point i wonder why it is that the pharisees felt that they were being singled out right here yeah i'm not too sure 
Um, I mean, yeah, immediately, you know, it's not immediately obvious, and I think the context of the situation would have made it a whole lot more obvious if you'd have been standing there. Maybe this was the only group of people who were actually there. Mm. Uh, the so the Pharisees, you know, they're like, uh, "Are we blind?" Because he's like, "Hey, I've I've come to uh, so that those those who are blind can see, and those who can see will be made blind." That's a that's a that's an interesting thought. Let's try and wrap our heads around it for a moment. Jesus is going to bring sight, and obviously here he's speaking about spiritual sight. Yeah, he's going to bring sight to those that don't have it. Mm. But for those that do have it, he's going to bring blindness. Yeah. How do you think that works? I think he, he, someone that has, look, okay, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's fair enough. That's fair enough. It's a, it's a tough thing to get your head around. It is. And it is. Let, me, let me try and illustrate it in the best way that I can. When you think that you know things, mm-hmm. that is the time that it is hardest to teach you anything. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's a little bit like, and I've seen this, I've experienced this for myself, you know, you, you, you finish college and you launch out into ministry and it's like, yeah, I'm going to go and take on the world. I've got this degree behind me. I, I've been trained. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, that happened to me when I finished college as well. I finished uh-huh. my outdoor degree and I went out and to a to work site and... Um, they said, I said, oh, yeah, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. He said, look, that might, have, that might be how you've been taught for a particular purpose, yes. but we've got a different purpose. Uh-huh. And so our, the way that we do things is a bit different. That's right. And I was like, oh, okay, well. Start learning from scratch. There we go. And, and you know, I've, I've had that experience myself when I've worked with young people who, you know, they, they come out of college and they're on fire. And it's like, yeah, we're going to go and take on the world. It's like, well, okay. Ah, there's a bunch of things that, and it's uh, got a bunch another, of theory that you've learned in college. Now let's talk about the reality and the practice. In saying that, though, it's got nothing to nothing against the college and what they're teaching. Nope. It, it's just they're teaching something for a specific environment um, or a whole range of environments, rather, and they may not cover exactly where you're going to go. For sure. And, not, and that's not possible. The principle is that when we are convinced in our own mind that we know everything that there is to know, it is impossible to teach us. That's how it works. And so therefore, our perceived level of knowledge that we have blinds us to reality. And so... The Pharisees here in this particular situation are very, very highly educated people. They consider themselves to be the educated class, the upper class. They are the ones who are there, in their opinion, by the divine appointment of God to be the instructors of the people. They are not there to be taught. So they are not coming to Jesus to be taught. Mary Magdalene came to Jesus and sat at his feet to be taught. They are not coming to Jesus to be taught. Therefore, they can't see anything that Jesus is teaching. Mary Magdalene is coming to Jesus to be taught. Therefore, she can see what Jesus is teaching. And so for the Pharisees, they were unteachable, therefore blind. They couldn't see a thing that he was saying. For in Mary Magdalene, who comes and sits at his feet, she could see exactly what he was saying. She knew exactly what, what it was that was taking place. And because she was like saying, hey, I don't know anything. I need to be taught. Please teach me. Okay. So in which category do we fit, Liam? What are the categories again? The list of categories. The, 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 the categories are you've got the Pharisees who say, we know everything. 
we are not coming to be taught because we know everything. Um, or are we Mary Magdalene who comes and says, I know nothing, I need to be taught? I think more often than not, we, we fall into the categories than... Oh, we fall into the category of the Pharisees. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Because there's plenty of things that we think we know, we know but... Um, and it kind of defeats the purpose of studying this passage of the Bible if we don't admit that. Indeed. And so the lesson that Jesus is trying to draw out here is don't bring your knowledge to the Bible. Bring your ignorance to the Bible. And let the Bible be your teacher. Mm. This this is something that I was guilty of, um, well, I have been guilty of before. And I guess the way that I looked at it is that when I assumed that I knew something or that I knew something was going to happen, when I thought about it, I, I realized that this was disrespecting although the person like for example if i was uh well i'll put this job for example when i i I thought there was a very good chance that i was going to get this job and uh here at faith fm and i thought to myself i'm uh, yes this is this is me i'm going to get it 100 percent i'm all in but then i thought about it and i realized that's actually incredibly disrespectful to the organization that i'm coming to work for because it's assuming that i'm i know more than them i know better than them um and there yeah so it, it's not right so i had to assume that while yes i think i'm in a good position to get this job there's no guarantee that i am actually going to get this job now i was very blessed i did get it as, as i'm here speaking to you right now um, and i'm very thankful for that but i i think if i had have had a different mindset i don't think i would have got this job if i had the mind if i had have had the mindset um that it would have happened that hundred percent. This is this is exactly what's going to happen. I think God might have moved the direction that I was heading in a different way. There's a saying that goes, you know, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's, That's in the Bible. Yeah. And God has this uh, this funny little habit of of um, yeah. Whenever we whenever our pride sort of starts to get in the way of kind of bringing us down, you know, a peg or two. And sometimes bringing us down a whole bunch of pegs. And I think most of us have experienced that at different times in our lives. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so um, Jesus goes on here. And in verse 40, it says, And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind as well? And so they're asking the question, are you, are you trying to single us out here? And Jesus is like, yeah, well, hey. He says, uh, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Okay, so in this particular scenario, the Pharisees are coming to him and they're saying, hey, you know, we know what's going on here. And because we know what's going on here, you know, you don't have anything to teach us. And... So, you know, this is, uh, um, yeah, and, and so therefore Jesus is saying, you are the ones who are the sinners in this case here. You are the ones who are the sinners in this scenario because you are unteachable. Let's go to John chapter 12 and verse 42. John 12, verse 42. Okay, John twelve forty-two says, uh, 42 and 43, it says, uh, Many people did believe in him. However, including times, uh, some of the Jews... Uh, many people did believe in him. However, including some of the Jewish leaders. 
but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Okay, there's a pretty heavy verse right here. So what you've got here is a situation where there's a lot of people actually believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, there were Pharisees who believed it. There were rulers, you know, the upper class of Jewish society who believed it. But they were under pressure because they were afraid of being thrown out of the synagogue. Is there a danger here for us, do you think? I think so, yes. Okay, so what's the danger for us here? The danger is that we can fall victim to this as well. We can become, we can assume that this is, that we're going to get these things as well. Don't I hear the question right? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Okay, so let's go back to the passage. Okay. Um, nevertheless, the chief rulers, you know, many, many of them believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they weren't willing to admit it because they were afraid of being thrown out of the synagogue. Okay, yes, yes, I do believe that this is something that we can fall victim of. How? In, in modern culture, if we're in a group of friends, like we're, right now, you and I yep. are very blessed to work in an environment where everyone around us is of similar beliefs. That's right. However, if we, if some people don't have that luxury. They may work in an area where every Friday night the the whole group goes out, the whole working group goes out to the pub to have a drink, to have a beer. Yep. That can be an environment that is that can be not. It can be a negative environment for you as a Christian. It can bring you down. So when you're in, I think a lot of this depends on the environment that you're in. Um, even even when you're in a good environment, if you're constantly surrounded by someone, people of, of like mindedness. You may you may fall victim to, to wanting to go outside of that. So I think you need to find the happy medium. And I think, yeah, to answer your question, yes, we do. We certainly do fall victim yep, to this. We do. We do indeed. And we need to be very, very aware of it because we should never be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Okay, so when we um, so looking at this passage here, really what it comes down to is both of these passages deal with an aspect of our fallen human nature. Yep. And as Christians, we need to be very, very aware of our fallen human nature. And this is kind of one of the differences between Christianity and all non-Christian religions. And it's a difference between true Christianity and a bunch of Christian religions as well. And the fundamental difference between truth and error on this point is where the solution to, you know, to life is found, where, where salvation is found, so to speak. What you've got is outside of Christianity and even sometimes inside of Christianity, the solution is found within yourself. Uh, the solution is found to peace, to life, to harmony, to happiness, to whatever it, else it might be, is all found within yourself. And yourself is the solution. And it's based around the principle that humans are, are naturally and basically good. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. And the Bible teaches that no, yourself is actually the problem. Humans are not basically good. Humans are basically evil. And the reason that there is so much good in the world is because of the influence of the Holy Spirit on uh, people's lives, regardless of whether you know, they recognize that influence or not. The Holy Spirit is always there. It's always you know, making its influence felt in our world. And so that's why we see a lot of good in our world. Take away the influence of the Holy Spirit. Just remove that from the equation. How much good is left? If we go over to the book of Genesis, we're going to find an answer to this. Genesis chapter 6, and here we talk, talk, we're reading the story of 
the flood. And this is a time period when God closes probation, you know, closes the opportunity for salvation on the whole world. So Genesis chapter 6 and... Well, let's start in verse 1. Why don't you start reading for us in verse 1 there, please? Okay, Genesis 6 verse 1 says, Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women, and they took and and they took any they wanted uh, as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some of t- uh, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on earth broke his heart. Okay, interesting passage right here because God's like, okay, my spirit is not always going to strive with man. Um, He's got 120 years. So God comes down and he outlines this period of 120 years where, you know, this is 120 years of probation. You've got 120 years and then the flood is going to come. I'm going to destroy everybody left on this earth who doesn't get on the ark, which is a fairly simple, straightforward um, message by God to the people of the earth and fairly easy to understand and to follow and to protect yourself from. He does this because of the increase of wickedness or evil in the world. And it's interesting why God chooses to do this because he says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And so the Holy Spirit is striving with human beings. That means that the Holy Spirit is working on our hearts and our minds, trying to draw us to God and definitely drawing us constantly towards the good. There is this, there is this powerful force within every human being to draw every human being towards what is good and what is right and what is honorable and what is, you know, brings glory to God. That's called our conscience. And every human being, regardless of whether they acknowledge the existence of God or not, has a conscience. That is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, it fascinates me. It's a, it's a fascinating question to even stop and think about. If you're going to take God out of the equation and you're going to take, if you're going to consider you know, atheism as your foundational belief and an evolutionary process, for the creation of human beings, the question that I often ask, which goes through my mind, is what is the origin of morality? Because every human being has a moral compass, whether they follow it or not. How do you construct an evolutionary process for the origin of morality? I mean, is morality a requirement for becoming a successful species? Yes. Okay, let me challenge you on that one. Okay. The great white shark, is it a successful species? Yes. And how much morality does a great white shark have? Very little. <laughs> See, I got you on that one, didn't you I? didn't do <laughs> Yeah. You think about a great white shark, you know, it lays an egg, that egg disappears, just, you know, pops out and floats around the ocean. By the time it hatches, you know, the, the, the parent of that thing is on the other side of the planet somewhere. Yeah. 
has no morality, has no care for its young, has no interest in anything other than its own survival and a urge deep within itself to reproduce, and yet it's become very successful. Indeed. So you don't need morality no, to be don't. successful. <laughs> you don't. So therefore, if morality is not required to be a successful and a very successful species, because great white shark is a very successful species, where does morality come from? Why do humans have it? It comes from our developed, our more developed minds than animals. Okay, so let's come back and think about that after this song. We've got Carly Fletcher coming up where it's time to get ready. That's the song that she's going to bring to us and it's going to be featuring Malvinus Penland. Sometimes it seems I feel so well We'll keep on going on And I can get so comfortable And make this place my home Remind me, Lord, that there is more Than just the things I see To fix my eyes on Jesus It's time to get ready Today is all that we have We can see the signs are happening Just as the Bible says So don't get caught unaware Now is the time to prepare God is calling me and calling you To live for Him today To put aside distractions and The things that lead us away To really read our Bibles and Devote ourselves to prayer To know our dear friend Jesus For He is always there It's time to get ready See the signs are happening Just as the Bible says So don't get caught unaware Now is the time to See the signs are happening Just as the Bible 
Welcome back, everybody. We were discussing the origins of morality here a little while back, and we were asking whether morality exists because God gave it to us or because we have a more developed brain. And we started with the example of a great white shark. What I'm going to do now is to consider a number of other examples. And if we consider the examples of um, some creatures, and, and different creatures have different levels of development within their brain. Of course, human beings have the highest development of their brain. Uh, however, what you're going to find is you're going to find some creatures that have incredibly highly developed brains and still have no morality. In fact, if you look at a shark, the great white shark, which was the example that we gave, has a vastly more developed brain than your average insect, and yet you find some insects that have a higher level of morality than a great white shark. So the level of brain development doesn't affect whether or not morality is a thing. Is it then because it's a, uh, morality is a part of some creatures' lives but not other creatures' lives? And the question is why? That is the question. And the answer is? The answer is? God, God made it that way. Indeed. Did he make it... Uh, so that's obviously different species yes. have different needs or different... Yeah, different needs for morality. And the question is, does morality even exist in the animal world? You know, because a dog will do good things. But is that because it's moral or for some other reason? Whereas yeah. humans will do good things because it's moral. We take insects, for example, although I just, I was about to, I'll, I'll finish my example and then I'll, I'll rebut myself. Um, but you take insects, for example, but ants, if one of their ants die, it gets squished, they'll go out. Like, I've noticed when, if I go and squish an ant, if I come back to it 10 minutes later, there'll be a whole bunch of ants surrounding that one ant. It depends what species of ants. It's yeah. going to vary from one species oh, oh, yeah. to another. Yeah. And then I just thought of, of a rebuttal to my own comment. Is that is that because they care for the ant or because... No, they're eating it. They, they're eating it or do they need that ant to try and revive it to help produ continue productivity of the nest? So... The answer is they're <laughs> eating it. Well, there we go. Yes. So... Okay, but human beings... Human beings will do weird things. Like human beings will look after other human beings and some, you know, will dedicate their entire life to doing that, which does absolutely nothing to enable them to pass on their gen genetic material. And from an evolutionary perspective, there is only one form of morality, and that is passing on your genetic material and doing everything possible to, um, to make that a success. And so... Um, when we find humans doing moral things outside of that, we have to ask ourselves the question, why? And this, of course, comes from God. And this is effect of the Holy Spirit. Does, it have an, does your mor morality on other people have an effect on their morality? For example, you mentioned that, you know, it, your yeah, morality... Okay, it's a good question. It's morality good question. is, you know, meant for, for helping your... Your lineage. So the way I'm from an evolutionary perspective, yes, yes. So uh, is it? But from a God perspective, human beings do all kinds of things that damage the ability for themselves to be able to pass on their genetic material. Do you mean that as as like a particular family, as a family line, or the human species in general? Both. Both. 
So I don't know for the human species in general, but I think the reason why for passing on the being moral outside of your family in in regards to your lineage is because your morality could affect the morality of another person. For example, if, if I if I have kids, okay, my, my obviously main goal will be to show morality to them. But if I don't show morality to other people, in particular people in particularly people that interact with my own children, then in turn I'm not showing my own children morality. Okay, so but from an evolutionary perspective, and I'll just uh, I'll kind of argue that from an evolutionary perspective, where survival of the fittest creates the strongest race, then is it even from an evolutionary perspective moral? to show morality to somebody else's kids so that they show morality to yours, shouldn't you just simply be letting the process of survival of the fittest determine who survives and who doesn't? Sure, but you can you can encourage your own... You, you can help your kids along the way. Definitely, definitely. You absolutely. Want, you want your own... You, want, you, want, you want to pass on your genetic material. You'd absolutely. Be, you'd be very... Uh, what's the word? You'd be very biased to your own, your own family lineage... And you want you want that one to be if you don't okay, want it to die. Let me give you an example. Then, what say we have the example of somebody who goes to the other side of the world yep. and starts an orphanage mm-hmm. and dedicates their entire life to the running of that orphanage? What effect is that having on you know their children and their genetic material that is being passed on, which are living you know back on the opposite side of the world to where they're working? Um, and how is it encouraging people to help their children? Um, you know, when it's in, in, an entirely selfless endeavour. You could look at this in two ways. Uh, one way is that uh, the, this this parent has left their children; they've forgotten about them, and they don't care about them. Or you could you could think of it as another way where a, a, a parent again, a parent has left have left their children because they feel that they have fulfilled their job or they have have done as much as they can. However, they feel that they still have stuff left inside to bring other to children give. to give. Absolutely. So, and here's my point. My point is that that uh, desire, that compulsion to do so comes about as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's called our conscience and the Holy Spirit works on every person's heart and that's why we have good in the world and that's why we have so many good people doing good things. Mm. And when we look at the uh, passage we're looking here in Genesis chapter 6, what you've got is a situation, you've got a description of what happens to the world when the Holy Spirit stops doing that. Now, this is not because the Holy Spirit just decides one day, okay, that's it, 120 years is up, too, too late, too bad, and I'm out of here now. The Holy Spirit withdraws from the world, and this is a, a Bible study all of its own, the Holy Spirit withdraws from the world as it is pushed away from the world. So as we push away the Holy Spirit, as we push away our conscience, the Holy Spirit ceases to be a part of our life. And so what you've got is a description here of what happens when the Holy Spirit ceases to be a part of the life of the entire planet, of every person on that planet, except for the eight people who got onto the ark. Okay, so let's go to verse 5 and let's review verse 5. Did we have a clue for our quiz when we We, came back? No, we didn't. We actually had a winner for the quiz. Oh, okay. Um, So congratulations. Pardon me. Congratulations to James from South Australia who correctly guessed Samson. Well done, James. So uh, I forgot about that. Sorry. Apologies, James. Right, coming away. Um, I just saw you holding the quiz card and I'm like, did we forget to do that? Okay, let's uh, let's review verse 5 
and, and note what the result is when the Holy Spirit no longer has any influence on the world. So that is Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. I went to the wrong book. I went back to John. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says in a minute. Okay, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Okay, so what's the result of there being no Holy Spirit? Everything is evil. Is there anything that is good? No. No? No. Absolutely nothing nothing at all. Is there any happiness then? No. No, there is zero happiness. Okay, so what's the... What's the most merciful thing that God can do for these people? Destroy them. Absolutely. So this is an act of love. It's an act of mercy. And we do exactly the same thing as human beings with our pets. When they reach a point where there is nothing we can do for them, when they are in agonizing pain, they are never going to recover. And this is where these people were at. They were in agonizing pain and were never going to recover. Then we destroy our pets. What does God do right here? Exactly the same thing. And God's judgments, therefore, become and are an act of love um, in relationship to us. So we need to always remember that we have a sinful human nature only by the power of the Holy Spirit is good found in us and only by that power can we understand the Word of God. This is C.C. Winnens with Why Me. Why me, Lord? What have I ever to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known. Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown? from you Maybe Lord 
I control someone else What I've been through team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to be God's hands and feet in your communities, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Remember to call your friends and family and ask if there's anything they need, whether it's food, some toilet paper or just a chat. Little things like this make a big difference to loved ones who just want to know that you're safe and sound. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it the care package there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you. 
there's Alison Krauss there within the palm of your hand. We have come to question of the day. We have indeed. And today's question, it sort of runs off the back of what we were talking about in the encounter with God story, or the end of it there. And it is, why is it okay to euthanize our pets or animals, but not people? And that's a really good question. There's only one case of euthanasia that I can think of in the Bible that immediately comes to mind, and that is in relationship to Saul. And I guess the the question is really, when it comes to euthanasia, what happens when a person is in pain, they are terminally ill, they want to die, why can't we allow that to happen? You know, it's their decision, etc. Why can't we, you know, facilitate that, I should say, to happen? And that's really the question that we're going to look at. And so if we look at the example of King Saul, um, Saul was being pursued by the Philistines. The Israelite army had scattered. He had been shot by the archers. He had at least one arrow wound. We don't know how many. He may have had more. And he had suffered, you know, because an arrow causes hemorrhage. It's um, death by hemorrhage. He suffered blood loss to the point where he was down and he couldn't get up. And so he asked for one of his attendants to end his life. Saul knew that he was dying. He knew that there was no possibility for him being able to survive. He knew that if he was still alive when the Philistines caught him, they would prolong his life as long as possible so that they could kill him as slowly as possible. He wanted to avoid that fate. Um, and the Philistines had, you know, some really creative ways of people uh, of, of, of taking people's lives very, very slowly and very, very painfully. And so he asked his servant to take his life. As it turns out, that servant refused to do so. But there was a mother, another man who came along and he, who saw what had taken place and that, you know, Saul had obviously fallen on his own sword and taken his own life. Um, And so he claimed to have done so. And because he claimed to have done so, he was executed. So God takes this very, very seriously. So when you look at Saul's situation, okay, he was in agonizing pain. There was no possibility for his survival. He wanted to die. It was merciful for him to die. And yet it was wrong for us as human beings to step in and take his life. And this just illustrates the incredibly high level of the sanctity of life that you find in the Bible. Now, the reason for that is quite simple. As human beings, we are, as we were discussing earlier, moral human beings who make moral decisions for or against God. No creature other than human beings falls into that category. Now, God is the only one who can read the human heart and understand what is going on in the human mind and know whether a person is ready to die or not. Only God can see and know that. And because we cannot see and know that, then it is impossible for us to make that decision on somebody else's behalf, even when they have made that decision themselves. So let's say that we take somebody who's got terminal cancer, you know, not exactly the same situation as Saul, but let's say they've got terminal cancer, they're in agonizing pain, and they're like, okay, I've reached the point, I've had enough, um, I'd like to end it right now, and we facilitate their death. Then we may have cut off their opportunity for salvation. They might say, look, I've given my life to God. I've made my peace with God. You know, that's all good. I'm spiritually prepared. But how are we supposed to know that? We can't read their heart. Only God can read their heart. And so we might say, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. And we move ahead and we 
um, we effectively take their life, we facilitate them in taking their life. And suddenly that person is lost all eternally because of what we have done. And so the moral of the story here is that the Bible condemns any human being who comes along and plays God. And this was really what was happening with uh, this individual who claimed that he'd taken Saul's life. He was claiming to stand in the presence of God. Can you tie that back to animals though? Okay, so with animals, totally different situation because they don't make moral decisions for or against salvation. I see. Yeah, that's, that's the vast difference right there. And it's a very, very big difference. Okay, so we'll move on with the show. Uh, this is True North where mercy flows.
You're listening to True North with uh, River Where Mercy Flows. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We've come to the end of our show, which means that we're about to give something away for free. Going to go to the first caller through, so get ready to give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Liam, what are we giving away? We are giving away a book by Peter Rohnfeldt called If You Can Eat... You can make disciples. We're almost at the end of uh, coronavirus, which means soon soon we can start inviting people over. We can start making meals. We can start sharing meals together. And this will be a wonderful uh, little book that you can read to help talk about how you can share Jesus over a meal. Okay, sounds good. Um, if you can eat, you can win disciples. I think most of us can manage that. I love to eat. And um, yeah, <laughs> part of the human experience is the reason why Jesus said, I'd be, "I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I'm going to come in and have a supper or dinner with him." Okay, so we want to, uh, as always, encourage you to study your Bibles, particularly during the coronavirus lockdown, and give us a call right here one eight hundred three two four eight four three if you would like to uh, win that prize, or if you would like to have some assistance in understanding your Bible better. Uh, my Bible study course is called The Prophetic Code, but we have about 18 or 20 different courses that you can participate in. Don't forget, this afternoon we have our own Robbie, who's starting off a new show, so don't forget to tune in for that. And also, 3:30. as 3:30. you go out your day, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will go strong in Jesus Christ.
Listening to Faith of Him Radio. And in strife Oh 